0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, amen. So Jesus tells this story. He tells this story about an owner, a landowner, who planted a vineyard. And he did everything right, and he leased it out to some vine dressers. And he told them, when the time comes, vintage time comes, I'm going to ask you for the fruit very natural, normal request, nothing spectacular there. And so the season, you know, the year passed and vintage time came around and he sent some messengers saying, you know, show me the money, right? And they uh, killed, you know, sent him bruised and sent him away broken And this. He sent him another one. So he sent him another one. So he sent them another one. And then finally he said, look, they don't seem to they think like that I'm serious. Let me send them my own son. If they see my own son, they will realize that I'm, I'm serious and I want, I want the fruit of my vineyard. Right. And they take his son. They say, look, if we kill him, then the inheritance will be ours. So they take him and they kill him. So he says to them, Jesus in the story says, he says, what will what will the owner of that vineyard do to those wicked vine dressers? And he says they will take he will take the vineyard away and give it to others. Jesus here was speaking contextually in, in its context. Last week, we were talking about different ways of interpreting scripture. One way is, in its context, what was Jesus talking about in that time, in the first century? He was talking about those who had received the word of God, those who had received prophets coming to them again and again and again and again and again, trying to turn them back to the true and honest worship of God, and they refused. And then he sends them his only son, and prophetically, Jesus says, they will kill him, so in in a certain sense, the the owner of the vineyard is the creator of the universe, is the father, or the father who is the, the, the owner of all of all of the universe, the known world. And he sends his son to these wicked vine dressers who refuse generation after gener- generation prophet after prophet in you know, all throughout the old testament to receive the word of god and then he sends them his only son and they kill him and so he's saying what what will he we do, what will he do here saint cyril tells us specifically you're speaking about the israelites the jews who rejected god for generations and then rejected jesus then he will take the gospel the vineyard the vine here is the gospel, is the love of God. He will take it and he will give it to others, the Gentiles. It can be understood in that context. It can be understood in a context which is specific to us. It can be understood in a context which is specific to us. That the vineyard is the gospel which has been given to each person who has witnessed the gospel firsthand. The gospel is that God... The Father loves every single person as much as He loves His only begotten Son. Every single person who has witnessed that, has seen that, has received the gospel. And the readings today are telling us that vintage time is going to roll around and something is going to be required from us. Another way to understand this is a quote that I read this week, and I just loved it so much, I couldn't help but print it out um, and for you all. So I'm just going to ask a couple of the deacons to hand it around. Uh, maybe one of you can go up one aisle and one up the other aisle. You're going to say well how you know okay it's it sounds like pretty imperative father john that like you know if i've received this vineyard uh that i that i would be productive that i would do something with it uh it sounds like vintage time is going to roll around and and something is going to be required of me um so how do i do that uh what what are the uh, what are the instructions so now, instead of thinking of ourselves as the vine dressers for a moment, let's use another parable Jesus Jesus um, used to think of ourselves as a branch off of the vine, where the vine dresser is the Father, the vine is the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are a branch. And St. John Chrysostom, explaining a little bit, explains to us exactly how to be fruitful. And we're just going to kind of go through this together, sort of, you know, line by line or whatnot, because um, I, I want to I I send you all away today with encouragement and with very simple, clear instructions about what it means to be fruitful and how to do that. St. John Chrysostom says to us, for the branch by its adherence draws in the fatness and building and the building stands because it is cemented together. St. John Chrysostom is telling us that the only reason that sap fills the fruit and you get big fat juicy fruit is because the sap goes through the branch which is adherent to the vine. So if it's not adherent, if it didn't adhere to the vine, that wouldn't work. Now to you and me, that doesn't make any sense, but I had the great blessing of recently being on a wine tour in a vineyard, right? Um, And so what they do, okay, is our, our soil here has bugs in it that makes it really hard to grow like grapes that are great for wine from Europe. So early, early vine wine making people came and brought their seeds from Europe and planted them here, right? And they all died because the bugs in the ground worms or whatever they are, I can't remember what they were called, would eat the roots. The ones that were native to North American soil, they did fine because they had evolved to learn how to evade these bugs. Right? So they said, well, let's just, let's just use the grapes that they have here in North America. Well, that didn't work because they make terrible wine. right? So then somebody had a great idea that the roots and the stalk, they, can, they are good in the ground, but the grapes they make stink for wine, they're fine for eating or whatever. I don't know what they're good for. But anyways, they stink for, for, for making wine. So why don't we graft on A branch of the European grape onto the stalk. From, in, from the North American vine in the soil. And so that's what they did. And so on a previous time I was in a wine tour, I asked them all about this grafting process because I was really interested in it for biblical purposes. And I don't have any plans of becoming a winemaker, right? I have one career, you know, maybe that'll be my next career, who knows, right? Maybe that's my retirement plan. For those of you, that's an inside joke in the Coptic world. There is no other career for Coptic priests, and there is no retirement. This is it for me for life, right? But anyways, right so they have this special tool they're called grafting shears so i look them up and i watched some grafting videos this weekend right and uh they're they're basically there there's all kinds of different grafting shears but the whole purpose of them is to increase the surface area of contact between the stalk and the branch which is being grafted in and then they bind it up and over the span of a month to three months you can't even tell that it doesn't belong to the to the branch it just it just completely, if it adheres, if it sticks, and that's what St. John Chrysostom is talking about here, right? And so they've got all kinds of different grafting shears. They've got ones that are all squiggly, you know, and so they'll cut the branch. So then the surface area on the cut area will be really long, right? And then they'll use the same shears to cut on the stalk, so they'll fit like a puzzle. They have other ones that cut, instead of cutting like across the branch, they cut. Almost horizontally to the branch on a very small angle again to increase the surface area. The whole idea is if you don't get adhere dead branch, right? If you don't, if it doesn't stick and the sap doesn't start going through, the branch is going to die. Okay, so if you're a branch. If you're, if, you're, if, if you're a parishioner who has no interest in wine or grapes, this is very boring. If you're a branch, what I'm telling you now is life-saving, is life-saving. The branch, if it doesn't adhere, if the, if the vine dresser doesn't know what he's doing, now, in, in, in John 15, G, Jesus describes the father as the wise vine dresser. So he knows what he's doing. But if he doesn't know what he's doing and he cuts it any which wonky way, or he cuts it with the squiggly shears that are supposed to fit together like a puzzle, right? And then he lines it up wrong so that they, they're not touching properly, or there's areas which are bare or uncovered, or a million other factors, and the branch doesn't adhere, what happens after they they, they bind it up? They almost like cast it the same way you would cast almost a broken arm arm, right? They, they cast that, that piece there. They bind it up. What happens when you loosen that and you take those off? The branch will just fall. Why? Because it didn't stick. It will die. So this is life or death to a branch. Jesus tells us, you are a branch. So St. John Chrysostom is telling us the only reason that this building is standing is because it's cemented together. If the bits and bobs that hold this building together aren't cemented together, if they don't stick, if they're not glued, whatever, however that is they stick together, the whole thing falls apart. I'm on the fourth line of the handout that I gave you. Since, if it stands apart, it perishes, having nothing hereon to support itself. Let us not then merely keep hold of Christ, but let us be cemented to him, For if we stand apart, we perish. So, all that we just explained. For they who withdraw themselves far from you shall perish, says the Psalms. So it is said, Let us cleave unto him. And let us cleave by our works. So how are we going to adhere? How are we going to stick? How are we going to hold? How are we going to cement? St. John Chrysostom tells us it's by our works. The glue which holds us, holds the branch onto the vine, the source of life, the source of sap is our works. He's going to explain. For he that keeps my commandments, the same abides in me, Jesus says in John 14, in substance. And accordingly, there are many images whereby He brings us into union. Thus, if you mark it, He is the head, we are the body. St. John Chrysostom is telling us there's many different ways where God is trying to reveal to us that look, apart from Him, we have no reason for being. We have no purpose. We have no meaning. We have, we're, we're useless, right? Apart from Him, we're redundant. So many, many, many different images St. John Chrysostom is telling us exist. Sort of uh, halfway down. Thus, if you mark it, he is the head. We are the body. Can there be any empty interval between the head and the body? Can you imagine a head and then shoulders? <laughs> Nothing in between? What would we call that? Someone who's decapitated. What would we call that? Someone who's been beheaded. What would we call that? Somebody who's dead. You don't have living people who are disconnected from their heads, St. John Chrysostom is telling us. He is the head, we are the body. If we are not connected to the head, dude, you're dead. The the medical definition of death is not when your heart stops. That's cardiac death. Hearts can be restarted. We have some excellent, excellent resuscitation experts in the audience today. Today would be a good day for your heart to stop. I'm, I won't point you out, right? <laughs> Far be it from anybody, right? But, but if your brain dead, you're dead. If the brain is dead and the heart is still going, you're an organ donor. No, really, right? If you so wish to be. Brains don't come back. Hearts can If you're disconnected from the head, dude, you're dead. You're dead, St. John Chrysostom is telling us. I'm sort of two-thirds way down. The, the, The first word on the line that I'm reading on is body, question mark. He is a foundation. He is a foundation, we a building. He a vine, we branches. He the bridegroom, we the bride. He the shepherd, we the sheep. He is the way, we they who walk therein. Again, we are a temple, He the indweller. He the firstborn, we the brethren. He the heir, we heirs together with Him. He the life, we the living. He the resurrection. We, those who rise again, He, the light, we, the enlightened. All these things indicate unity and they allow no void interval, not even the smallest. Our first two readings today were revealing to us that at least 90% of being useful in your native context, where you are in this time, in this place, Of you identifying your purpose and doing it successfully is going to be attitude. Is going to be attitude. So in the first reading, St. Paul said, look, I'm willing to do anything for anybody at any time that by all means I may save some. He says, even to those who are without law, I'm willing to appear as without law, though I'm not without law. He says, like, to the criminals, I can be a criminal. Well, not really. Not a criminal by, like, doing crimes, but, like, almost. He's willing to do anything. And he recognizes that if he does everything or anything for all people at any time, he's only going to win some. So imagine if he starts being picky. Imagine if he starts saying, well, I'm, this is just the way I am. Well, I don't do that. Well, I don't go there. Well, I don't say this. Well, I don't... Right? nothing's ever going to get done that was the first the first the first in the first reading was a willingness a willingness to pour ourselves out and to make ourselves whatever god has designed for us to be fully believing and acknowledging that what he has designed us to do and to be is fully in sync with what we're called to do in, that very, in this very context, in this very moment, at this moment in your life. And that is what will bring both you and God the most fulfillment, the most glory, the most joy. The second reading, St. Peter told us to be ready to give an answer for the hope which is within us with meekness and fear. But before that, he gave us the secret to being ready. He says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. What does that mean? The word sanctify means make holy. Look, we're not going to make God any holier than he is. He's holier than holy, you know? He's holier than than he, he could be. But to recognize his holiness... To recognize that this, this, this very incredibly humble being who descends down and is incarnate in my world, incarnate in a literal sense of the nativity of Christ, but in, in, incarnate in, in my world, that he cares about the ins and outs of my life and he cares about the little things in my life. And he has he has he's come and become a part of my life, is God Almighty, creator of the universe. One of my favorite verses is in Job. In Job it says, If he should set his heart on it, if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. So, if God were to say, I refuse, I no longer wish to uphold the universe, Job is telling us the world would return to dust. God is intimately involved. In the ins and outs of my everyday, but in his, in his magnificence, he's intimately involved in the ins and outs of, of every single one of our days. How great and awesome is he? These days, I've been listening to an audiobook called The Heavenly Man by Brother Yun. This is a Chinese pastor and preacher, Christian, who was persecuted ferociously in the 80s. Still alive. And he's still active. I have to tell you, about halfway through listening to this audiobook, I've read it before as a book, but these days I'm driving a lot, so I find it practical to listen to audiobooks. Anyhow, so I'm listening to this audiobook, and I had this horrific realization, this horror, that it is possible that I may end up standing in heaven for the rest of eternity next to this man or somebody like him. I mean, what has he done with with, with one month of his life is more than what I've done with the entirety of mine. God will welcome us both into the kingdom with wide open arms. I'm not worried about God. God is loving and generous and gracious, and by His grace, His goodness depends on His character, not on my merit. I'm worried about me. How the heck in good conscience am I going to be able to look to my right and see Brother Yoon standing there? How am I going to account for a life lived so uselessly compared to a man like that? This guy was in like a maximum high security prison. And manage, they would move him from one prison cell to another. In each cell, there was sort of eight to twelve prisoners, because he would convert them all. Finally, they sent him home. They said, "You know what? We have been thoroughly convinced that you are so stubborn. There's nothing we can do." This. They they skinned him alive. They rolled him around in excrement for months. They all kinds of horrific tortures. He got beat to a pulp so severely multiple times that his own family couldn't recognize him his wife and mother said we don't know this man the government started to wonder whether he was like actually the, like, or maybe like through some like sly, like sly trick he managed to escape and replace, be replaced by somebody else it was him he's just gotten beaten so severely all, and all he had to do was say I renounce Christ Not I've renounced Christ, I renounce the underground church and I will join the the government endorsed, you know, three self patriotic church. But refused. How the heck am I gonna stand next to this guy? You want adherence? You want sticking despite sticking despite opposition? You got it. That's sticking. That's cemented. It's by our works. It's that annoying person in the office that you've concluded the best thing to do is to just pretend like they don't exist. It's by insisting to find some way to love them. It's by that friend or neighbor who God is calling you to love. God is not asking you to stand up here and to preach instead of me. He's asking you to live the gospel, not any gospel, the gospel you have witnessed. What have you personally witnessed of God? Go and do that. That's what it means to abide in Him day by day. The talk is easy, the walk, oh my goodness, can be difficult. But that wise vine dresser is there to help us adhere, to to graft us on properly, to bind us up, to uphold us by His Spirit until we stick, until we adhere, until we receive the life-giving sap which bears abundant fruit, fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Glory be to God forever and ever, Amen. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.